Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. A Big Ten coach is logging historical success at his program. And growing just a little tired of it. Chuck Oliver show on a Friday. And this particular Friday is the Friday before the big game. And no better place to be than I am inside a sports book. Live at Harris Cherokee in Cherokee, North Carolina. Been coming here for the past three years. We cut the ribbon on the great new Caesar sports book back in March 21. Uh, been coming here, the sister property our way in Murphy, North Carolina. It's Harris Valley River. Folks, it's Harris. You know what that's going to be on the casino side. It's Caesars. You know what that's going to be on the sportsbook side. Bring it on. Great place to be, and that is where we are. Anytime you want to join uh, us here or anytime you want to go, HarrisCherokee.com, get you both locations. Set a Big Ten coach, who I'm a big fan of personally. Uh, he is logging truly historical success at his program. And he seems to be growing a bit weary of it. What I am talking about is Mike Loxley, head coach at Maryland. And when I say I'm a big fan, um, I'm a big fan of second chances. Hard world we live in if you ain't no second chances. Um, and Mike Loxley had just as bad as tenure as you can get at New Mexico as head coach over there. It was just bad, 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 bad. And then he went to Tuscaloosa and rehabbed, and now he's head coach in the Big Ten, like at a good enough program in the second-best conference, which money-wise, well, right now, maybe it's the best. So that's Mike Loxley. And there was off-field stuff when he was a head coach, and it's just bad. Before that, it was really good because before that, he was the OC way back in the day at Illinois. And I've told you, if you want to go back and see the mustard seed, like, he's a, he and that Illinois offense back in the mid to late 00s, Rashad Mendenhall, um, who was the kid, Juice, the quarterback, Juice Williams, was that his name? Um, and Aurelius Ben, and so it was just a fantastic, fun offense, and Loxley was the OC there for Ron Zook, and it was humming, man. And now, 17 years later, we all run versions of that, but he was one of the originals. So I've been a big fan of what he do, does. You know, I play boogie ball. Like, giddy up, man. So he, and he's got a lot of different you know, clubs in the bag, but but he's successful on offense. And in the Big Ten, let's score some points and see what we can do on defense. Maybe we can win enough games to go to a bowl. Well, when I say that Mike Loxley is logging historical success at his program, it, it, it's true. Maryland has won three straight bowl games. First time in the history of the Maryland program, the Turtles have won three straight bowl games. First time ever that's happened. And if you look at Maryland football, is it like Notre Dame and Bama and Ohio State? Not really. I don't know. But they've got success in the past. Bear Bryant was there. 
Jerry Claiborne was there and had a lot, a lot of success. Probably should have got a shot at something more in 76, but Georgia was undefeated too, and so that's just how it goes. But Claiborne had a lot of success, and then Bobby Ross, and like, see, like they had it going on at times. Ralph Regan, we forget, had 10 seasons there, and it was win, 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 win. Nine and four, ACC Coach of the Year, his alma mater fired him. So behind the scenes, they haven't always made the right call. Randy Edsel was probably not the right call. DJ Durkin turned out to not be the right call. Mike Loxley, for what Maryland is and the realities of college football today, if you went back in time, and I mentioned Jerry Claiborne, if you don't know him, he's a really successful coach, a few different places in college football. Um, you really could, if you were a Maryland fan, think in terms of winning a national championship in 1976. You can't really, uh, uh, not really think about that. You think about how we compete in the conference and how we're going to get paid and the advancing the program. And you think like more bigger picture things than the immediate season, because it's just kind of set up against, uh, teams that aren't in the club to win the national title. Like BYU ain't happening. I don't believe anymore. 1984. I don't think that's happened. But at Maryland, the truth is, behind the scenes, Maryland, I mentioned this yesterday, there's a lot of places behind the scenes, uh, they're cool with it, or at least they understand that that's the reality. I've told you, a buddy of mine, a few years back, South Carolina grad, and I wasn't trying to be snarky, when's it going to be our chance to win the SEC? I said, it's not. (laughs) When are we going to win? You aren't. That's just, like, you're not. Kentucky, when are we going to win the SEC? Never. That, so that if that's the reality, okay, we'll adjust to what we can achieve. And I'll give the people in Lexington credit. Mark Stoops, I, is it 11 years and this is his fifth contract? Good for you. You see what the sky is and you're like, hey, we kind of operate there. Well, at Maryland, honestly, when I say historical, they've won three straight bowls. It's pretty high cotton for Maryland. And I think that behind the scenes, they'll take it. Remember, that's a strategic bunch up there. That's the, that's the bunch that left the ACC. You owe us $50 million. Let's negotiate. Let's just, be, let's just get to the number. Let's just be real. And we've seen examples. Ole Miss went to David Cutcliffe and said, what happened? We're supposed to be champions. And he said, champions of what? You're fired. What? Huh? So Maryland's a program that I think looks at their head coach and their level, and they're like, three straight bowl wins? First time ever in history? Heck yes, sign us up. Mike, love you. Mike Loxley sounds frustrated and worn out. Understand that this man, and again, you can go back and look at all the details. It's very real stuff, and there's some legal reports involved, and there was a DUI, and it was a son's car, and whatever else, and something with an assistant coach, and... Uh, he got suspended for 10 days, and so just it was a lot of, like, off-field, and there was some amateur night stuff to it. It was just it was a bad time out there. It's, I don't know, 10, 12 years later. It is porch swings and apple pie for Mike Loxley. Four, he went from on the outs, all right? You're on the pay-no-mind list, Mike, to head coach in that Power 5 conference, $4 million a year, and by the way, it ain't nothing but blue sky if you're associated with the Big Ten right now. Money, 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 money. And that's Mike Loxley. Against the backdrop 
of all that, he was on B. Mitch and Finley, which is a sports talk show in the D.C. area. And in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, talking to B. Mitch and Finley. Again, they're me. Mike, Mike Loxley, head coach in Maryland, like people who do my job. There's a big Gulf of Mexico between us. Mike Loxley talking with B. Mitch and Finley, quote, for the first time because of this portal, name, image, likeness, a third-team tailback came in and said, I need $100,000 or I'm going into the portal. And I'm like, where does this magic $100,000 number come from? And, I mean, I sat in my office, and every meeting I had was basically in – this is funny. He said, folks, we're seven wins. We're going to a bowl trying to take the next step. Everybody coming in was, quote, I want this, I want that. And the greatest team sport has now become kind of individualized. And I went home and was like, man, I don't know how much I can do this because I'm about ready to come join y'all full time. Y'all got room for me back at the studio or what? $4 million per year coaching Maryland. $150 appearance fee for B. Mitch Finley and the coach at Tire Depot near the downtown loop. Folk, given his background, given Mike Loxley's unique set of life experiences, and we all have that, our unique set of life experiences that nobody, you can grow up down the hall from somebody, doesn't matter. Same house, parents, economic, whatever. One of you speaks French, one of you doesn't. Given his individual background and life experiences, I believe Mike Loxley is even more thankful for his situation than most head coaches are. And I think he's like, I don't know, 26% serious. <laughs> I, I really believe that Mike Loxley, the pie graph, he is somehow some percentage serious that I can't do this anymore. Now, if I say 26%, how, how much serious was Jeff Halfley last week? Jeff Halfley was 100% serious. How serious was Nick Saban? Nick Saban was 100% serious. Jim Harbaugh, just because he went to go somewhere else, he was 100% serious. Palms up, done. So, I don't know, maybe B. Mitch and Finley rule the mornings in D.C. But when you're a head coach at a Power 5 place, making $4 million, and by the way, the $4 million, that's from, like, the Maryland Athletic Association or what? That's the 15th and 30th, folks. Four million? Hi, I'm Mike Loxley, and I drive an F-150. It's turtle tough. Like, he gets all that stuff, too. He gets under armor. Like, he really gets under armor. Like, that's their thing, Maryland. It's the, it's the Morgan and Nike of under armor. Used to be, at least. Against the backdrop of all that, for a guy who is winning, he's succeeding. When I say winning, like on an individual Saturday basis, sure, but he's winning big picture. And he's sitting back going, y'all got room for a three-man show? Just another case of it. Chuck Oliver show on this Friday. Uh, I do want to mention something about we got a transfer, and you can only project. If you go back and look at last year's transfer portal, did y'all watch Travis Hunter much at Jackson State? He's a stud. Y'all see him at Colorado? 
there were times he was the best player on the field. And, like, he was always on the field. Then he got hurt. And, uh, but just an unbelievably talented kid. If we DeLorean back a year ago, Travis Hunter was listed as the number one player in the transfer portal. And, of course, Coach Prime and the Buffs landed him. And he's as good as average. He may be better than advertised. <laughs> he may be better. Number two player, Denver Harris. Corner at LSU, who I will say 95% of what I remember about Denver Harris, the original messages were, oh, my gosh, he was a five-star corner at Texas A&M who transferred to LSU. He was the second highest-rated kid in the portal. I only bring this up to say, just like high school recruiting, there is an element of projection. Now, in high school recruiting, running back, defensive end, like there are some like positions you say, all right, I can see the transfer. It's a lot more predictable. Then there are positions where you have no idea how it's going to work out. Um, in college, with the portal, you're supposed to have way, way more of an idea because you've seen they have game tape and against way closer competition. And it's sh- the only reason I'm bringing this up is because SEC program got a transfer overnight um, that I think is going to – it could impact the national championship race. Um, and we're going to talk about that when we get back, but just understand that whenever we talk portal – even though we have game tape, even though you may have seen them in person where most of us for a high school kid, hey, we got a three-star running back out of Fayetteville. Well, look online and YouTube it and huddle and everything else. No, this is different. I watched them on ABC four times. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, a big, big transfer into the SEC and the, at least potentially, level of impact it could have. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Chuck out of show live from Harris Cherokee in Cherokee, North Carolina. That's next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. It's all just projection. And Chuck projects Kirby just impacted the national championship race. Chuck Oliver show on a Friday. It's Friday before the big game, and it's the big game in Vegas this time. It's the big game in Vegas for the first time. Remember that, like, if we look in the rearview mirror, it's like 15 minutes ago, Tony Romo was supposed to host a fantasy football draft in Las Vegas in, like, August before there were any real games being played. Fantasy football. And the league told him, nope, you represent us. You can't do anything in Las Vegas, Tony Romo. That's evil. You're bad. Uh, And now Tony Romo is there representing the league. He's on the call of the Super Bowl, which is at the Raiders crib just behind. If you're not a Vegas person, and I haven't been in probably four years, but five years, um, there's no other place like it as far as just the enormous nature uh, of 
the number of properties and the huge headliners and all that other stuff. So you know what Vegas is. Uh, and the Raiders and the Golden Knights and maybe the Oakland A's, uh, pro sports, but Vegas is just another opportunity now. And so that's where you got your Super Bowl. Um, and I just – it's the first time it's going to be in the rotation. I have an opinion about Super Bowl rotations. New Orleans, nobody does a party like New Orleans. There's, there, it's a different, awesome, awesome, awesome party. Nobody does like New Orleans. I will say the South Florida area, whether that's Miami or whatever, but South Florida, the Southern California thing, I, Vegas. And if those are your four spots, well, bump it up to a rotation of five, and the fifth can be wherever you want to. But if you're getting a new stadium, you're not getting a Super Bowl necessarily. And like we all know, that has been sort of the gig for the past probably 30 years. Build a shiny new stadium. We're going to give you a Super Bowl, which means that you then have to put Super Bowls in places like Detroit and Minneapolis. And blah, blah. so. It's in Vegas, though, because they want to be. And if you're not, I just go all the way back. If you're not a Vegas person, the location of it is almost perfect. Mandalay Bay at the very a- absolute south end of the strip before you leave. Uh, that famous Welcome to Las Vegas sign, that's past That's past Mandalay Bay is how far that is. So um, the south end, and then it's basically a road off of the strip behind Mandalay Bay back there. And just a fantastic lo- location. And part of the build-in for pro sports teams in Vegas, part of the big, big take-home there is if you still had the Oakland Raiders and instead of showing up in Vegas, the Knights had decided they were going to be the Houston Knights. I don't know. In Oakland, in Houston, in St. Louis, uh, there are people who are looking for something to do every night. Every night in Vegas, there are a lot, a lot of people who casinos and casino hosts are looking for, we need comp tickets. And so you're talking about win, 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 win. I've never been to a pro football game. I've never been to an MLB, whatever. Absolutely, I'll take the tickets. And it's all right there. I don't know about the A's yet, but we'll find out. Uh, yes, it's all just projection. And I project Kirby has impacted the national championship race with um, a transfer, an incoming transfer, and it is form, now former Stanford tight end Benjamin Urasek. And when I say former Stanford star tight end Benjamin Urasek, there was a chance that two years ago um, could have been his final season after 22. There's a chance that he could be in the NFL right now. He is a guy. Now, this is a tight end, all right? And when I say tight end, there's a lot of different – it comes packaged in a lot of different ways. Um, He's kind of in that middle ground. You have Darnell Washington who blocked out the sun and was – I'm going to guess on Darnell was like 6'7", and I don't know what he was. Was he 275? Uh, Then you have the more athletic uh, seam sort of tight ends who are clearly, you know, track stars and receivers. They just came in a different body. Then there's Benjamin Urasek, who's 6'4 by 245. And so he looks exactly, close your eyes, and you see it. And with Brock Bowers off to the NFL and Georgia and Kirby and Mike Bobo, such big fans of 12 personnel. We don't know what that is. Um... 
everybody knows it doesn't take a very nuanced view of the Georgia program to realize, hey, they would like to keep this tight end thing rolling. They didn't exactly have that when Darnell left. They never really got that big blocking compliment, and so things changed from the previous couple of seasons. They're not going to have Brock going forward. They have a guy named Oscar Delp who, since the Ohio State game at the end of the national championship season a year ago, uh, he's he's a big part of their plans, and he's a big-time ball player. But they like a lot of tight ends and a lot of productive tight ends. Now, when I talk about Benjamin Urasek, how could Chuck the national championship race, really? Uh, I'm looking at his stats. He caught 16 passes last year. He only played six games, had a shoulder injury. Shoulder injury is not advertised as being an issue going forward. And this is Benjamin Urasek over two seasons and six games. 108 catches, 1,300 yards. Was the team's leading receiver in 2021. And when I'm talking about impact the national championship race, sure, that's for Kirby, for Urasek. I want to be Brock. Quote, obviously Georgia has the best of both worlds. They have big-time football, and they use tight ends. He specifically pointed out how they used Brock Bowers in the passing game, how he was able to showcase blocking. They handed him the football. He basically said, I want to be Brock Bowers. And Kirby said, yeah, we'll take him. For Georgia, a perfect fit into what it is they like to do. Delp still has a lot of blue sky. There are other tight ends on the roster. This is a grown man who could already be a year, if not two, into the NFL by the time this season starts. Um, And he's carried the football some as well. And so when I say impact the national championship race, folks, this is hand in a glove, pages in a letter. When you talk perfect fits and productive and mature and very bottom line, I'm sure, like Kirby, I know what Kirby wants. Kirby wants these young men to create value for themselves, and he also wants to win a national championship. Urasek wants to get to the NFL and get paid, and he knows what the Georgia program can do for somebody with his skill set and then, again, experience, age, all that. So it is a big, big good fit for both sides. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now back to the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Always all year, it's all college football on Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states and 66. Been doing it since the 14 season. Appreciate that blessing so much, folks. So many interesting stories with the Clemson program. So many spokes off that hub. And I will give Dabo credit for one thing at what we thought, and I will say some with glee, 
what the collective we thought was the low point for the Clemson program, and my goodness, uh, what has happened? Dabo said, folks, we're better than it seems. Bye. 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 And then they started winning. So there is a chance that we look back on this moment, and it was almost like, do y'all remember Tommy? Um, it's Tommy Bowden. Um, Dabo, after that bowl in Charlotte, he'd been on the job for, I don't know, a couple of years, and they got beat by USF at a tire bowl. And there was not a lot of blue sky. Well, my gosh, they turned it into an unprecedented run like an Ohio State-Bama sort of thing. Um, And so after last year, after that NC State game, they got on a run and they beat some good teams. Beat South Carolina in state, went to a bowl, cared, won that as well. A lot of good stuff. Want to welcome on right now, 105.5 The Roar. He's the midday host there. It's William Qualkenbush. William, how you doing today, man? Chuck, I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well on a fabulous Friday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm jacked up to talk to you about uh, what the heck's going on with Clemson right now. I want to talk about, like, let's just go satellite image big picture. Uh, because Dabo, he was chest out, and he was defiant and insistent. And I remember even I would go on the air, and I was like, dude, stop talking about we're four plays away from being undefeated. Um, but then they started winning and still no transfers and whatever. But let's talk right here, right now, how this team is positioned to go to spring practice. Um, give me your overall state of the state with Clemson football. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I, the, the staff changes that he made, I think, were particularly interesting. Now, that there were there were lots of Clemson fans who sort of conveniently neglected the fact that uh, while, yes, Dabo did fill some positions with internal hires and sort of friends of the program, friends and family sort of additions. His two previous assistant coach additions were Nick Eason. He was a Clemson alum, but he, of course, had extensive experience away from Clemson. And Garrett Riley, there was still that issue about there's too many friends and family on the staff. You, you know, there's, there's this is big boy stuff. You're not going to compete in NIL. You're not going to the portal. So you got to sure up this other stuff. And I think what he did in going out and getting Matt Luke, um, to coach offensive lines, and what he did uh, going out and upgrading a defensive end and bringing back uh, Chris Rump. Those are two huge hires. And recruiting-wise, they've already sort of borne fruit either with commitments or advancing their calls with high-level uh, prospects in the 25 class. I think their early returns have been great on both of those guys. And, um, you know, it, it was sort of a validation of Clemson's program that Matt Luke came back to Clemson because of the things that Davos Sweeney's saying that – a lot of them have been framed as negatives, but like I don't, unless Dabo takes stances on some of those things, I don't think Matt Luke comes back. The other thing is, you know, I think this has been a great offseason reset in some ways. Um, that's the way it's been framed by people inside and outside the program. When Nick Saban retires and Dabo Sweeney did get a phone call from Alabama. Now, he wasn't offered the job or anything, but they did get on the phone with him. They did discuss it. And it led to some other very productive conversations between Dabo and others in administration at Clemson. Um, and it also led some of the fans that were frustrated with Dabo to go, oh, crap, maybe we have issues and misgivings, but uh, this is a like this is a guy that's going to be impossible to replace. So we might just want to appreciate what we've got. So it was good in that way. And then answer your actual question about going into spring practice, there's still questions about quarterback, but I think there's a – there's a reinvigoration, uh, and there's there's like some new life in here that I think if, if Nick Saban had not retired and if you hadn't had two new staff uh, members join, I'm not sure you're going to get that. So there's a lot of excitement even as people still have questions, particularly on the offensive side. 
What didn't Riley get at quarterback, or what wasn't the fit, or what was the disconnect? Pick the verbiage, but it clearly wasn't what anybody had in mind last year. What is and, and what does that? How does that get fixed? Well, I think you know this is a little bit of an unpopular take. You know, Garrett Riley has done a lot of good work with quarterbacks, but he has worked with older quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks, and quarterbacks where he's coming to a situation and a guy's already been well seasoned. Um, this was really the first time that Garrett Riley has worked with a young quarterback. So, you know, a lot of blame has been thrown on Dabo and on Kate Klubnick. I think there was some growing pain for Garrett Riley as well. Um, you know, with a guy who only had a couple starts under his belt, well, I guess one start and then some extensive experience in other games in terms of the the question of what wasn't he getting, I think probably quick decision-making was not uh, a strength of Kate Klubnick last year tended to, hold the ball, and then when he did make decisions, they were wild. And so rather than continuing to lose games because of wild decision-making, they really sort of became this conservative unit where they were trying to coach or uh, play call uh, some of those bad, bad, like game-losing mistakes out of him. And uh, so that, but that led to some weird stuff like where was the quarterback run game? You felt like you were going to have an upgrade there uh, going from DJU to Klubnik, but you actually downgraded in that regard. But some of that, again, is Cade, a little bit of a smaller guy. Uh, They wanted him to do a better job of not bailing on plays and sticking in there and trying to throw instead of trying to play hero ball and extend plays too much. Um, I think probably they're going to try to get him to a place where he can do some of those things he wants to do naturally this year. And then we haven't even talked about receivers, but – the receiver group didn't help him. The offensive line didn't help him. It was really a systemic breakdown, which is why you've got a new assistant coach on that side of things and why I think there's going to be some schematic uh, some schematic tweaking and things like that that are going to help, uh, particularly up front with, uh, with Matt Luke. So you're hoping that another year in Riley's system is going to help Cade and then a couple of dynamite freshmen coming into the receiver core, maybe some better health there, and then a new voice on the offensive line I think is going to help as well. All right, uh, Dabo, I know at times has gotten tired of talking about the portal. Are you tired of talking about Clemson's portal? Because they did, like, play footsie a little bit, right? They got involved some, um, didn't get any transfers, so they don't have any yet, I guess. Um, but am I right about that? It is a different attitude with the program, if it's the right kid? Yeah, they went down, they went, you know, down the line a little bit further with some guys. I mean, they, they had offered a couple guys previously, but really it was more just getting your feet wet, yeah. and they, it wasn't really reciprocated interest. There was one kid that ended up going to Georgia Tech that got in a car wreck so we couldn't make his visit. I mean, there was some kind of, a couple kind of fluky situations like that. But, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to go down the road. I think one thing that's happened, and it's a two-pronged deal, they don't offer a lot of kids, so they don't have relationships when guys go in the portal that coaches can call them and say, hey, remember your second choice, Clemson? Uh, they don't have a lot of that, and so that hurts them. The second thing is that there is a perception now that Clemson doesn't take portal guys. And so that they have to they have to wear that. They're also not promising a lot. And I'll be honest, I, I understand if you're in the portal, you've already failed once at your previous institution, either monetarily or in terms of playing time. You want promises of playing time or you want promises of cash money. And Clemson's not gonna promise money up front. They're just not gonna do that. They'll give you a ballpark, but they're not gonna give you you know, they're not giving IOU. And then they're not gonna promise a starting spot. That is going to hurt you with some guys because guess what? A lot of programs are in a position to promise cash, and they are in a position to promise playing time. So I think all of that stuff kind of hurt Clemson in the portal, but I think it's only a matter of time. When you bring in Matt Luke and you bring in Chris Romps, those are like big boy SEC recruiters with SEC backgrounds 
that are like comfortable with five stars and comfortable like winning these types of wars and doing what it takes. So I think those were significant in terms of trying to change that perception of Clemson with regards to the portal. Wrapping up, and I'm, we just have to talk off-field at least a little. Um, Clemson, a friend of mine's Clemson grad is like, uh, what do you think about Florida State what, and what they're doing with the ACC? I was like, works for Clemson, works for everybody. Yeah, Florida State, y'all go be the squeaky wheel, and we'll just kind of sit back and see how this goes. Um, what do you make them, like, what do you think that the Clemson administration and, like, the official views um, – does Clemson make FSU's actions against the ACC right now? Because this is more than just complaining a little bit. We got legal filings. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think they are totally in lockstep with Florida State's feelings on the league and their approach to a degree. Clemson has been doing a lot more work behind the scenes. I mean, it's hard. It, it'd be hard to be as public, uh, front-facing, and forward-facing State then. Um, so Clemson is totally uh, willing, as you said, to let Florida State be sort of the squeaky wheel and to let them make the legal mistakes because they were willing to do that. I mean, it's not like anybody twisted Florida State's arm and they said, okay, fine, we'll go first. Clemson and North Carolina, y'all just wait, or whoever else wants to join, y'all just wait, we'll handle this. Um, yeah, I mean, they were, they were willing to go out front, and Clemson was willing to let them to continue to study and continue to see what works. And if you – if you look at Florida State's legal arguments, I mean, it is scattershot. They are throwing all kinds of mud on the wall to see what will stick. I find it hard to believe they're not going to find something, but I also find it hard to believe that it's all going to work, especially with the ACC's legal maneuverings, which, as a non-lawyer myself, I found to be pretty brilliant when they sort of pre-sued for the 24-hour jump on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that was brilliant. So, like, Clemson's going, oh, crap, well, we'll try to do this without a public notice. Uh, notice. <laughs> you know, that was the first yeah. note that they took. So I think both. I think ultimately it's going to play itself out. Clemson's going to sue. I mean, I've heard as, as you know as soon as maybe a few weeks, um, but it's going to happen at some point. They're they're going to learn from Florida State in the meantime and go from there. It's just been weirdness. I told the story when it was happening. I was like, I texted a buddy in Tallahassee about Jared Verse, and he sent me something back, and he's like, Oh yeah, and we're suing Florida State tomorrow. We're suing the ACC tomorrow. I was like, What? Uh, <laughs> And so then it happened. All right, brother. Thanks for the input, Bill. I appreciate it as always, man. Thanks, Chuck. Always good to be with you guys. William Quackenbush, 105.5 The Roar. I'd read it that when it happened. But, yeah, verse, this, 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 this. Oh, and we're suing the Atlantic Coast Conference tomorrow. I was like, again? Excuse me? So this has gone. I'm going to take this like world events. Like, we all know what's going on in Ukraine. <laughs> the real story is what's going on in China. They're sitting back looking at Russia and the response to Russia invading Ukraine going, hmm, y'all go first. We'll just kind of watch and take an information here. In a sporting sense, it was Mike Slive with the big, we want the Big Ten Network. We got the first boutique network. And Mike Slive's like, y'all go right ahead. Y'all be first. We're going to watch and we're going to take an information and then it's going to change how we approach our own actions. Clemson? Yeah, they're going to sue. Of course they are. When they start to see whatever, because there is, here's the bottom line. If it was uh, 2036, we can't get out. To, if it was really 2036, there's no point in taking action. Florida State's whole angle is not get out today. It's to get out some amount of time earlier for some amount less than $175 million or whatever the per year times 30 is. It's just to get out some amount early and for some amount less. 
That's all. When Clemson starts to see a scenario emerging for Florida State, that's when they're going to jump in and say, okay, us too. So all of that's coming, I can promise you. I appreciate Bill coming on. 105.5 The Roar does a great job there. Oh, my goodness. Look at the clock. We're going to take a break, come back, wrap up hour one on this Friday from Harris Cherokee. That's next. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Typical in first questions is, what do you get? I go, you'll get nothing like it. That's what they said. And that's what they told Spalding, right? From a guy saying, hey, coach, just asking you know, about money. I'm not a money hungry person. Don't need a ton of money. Um, but this is a transfer. I've been getting about six to seven K a month. I got three dogs and a girlfriend. So what do you think I'll get there? And I said, the first thing you need to do is drop the dogs. And I'm not sure about the girl. Kevin Wilson, Tulsa. Think of being in the situation. You're head coach at Tulsa. I think it is the lowest enrollment of any team playing Division One football, uh, which means unfold that out. You have not the biggest fan, uh, excuse me, alumni base, which uh, you all know that. So it's money, 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 money. You're at Tulsa. You think maybe people just understand, like, here you're not going to get paid. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm needing six, $7,000 a month. Really? You need $80,000 a year to go play at Tulsa. And maybe he gets it. Maybe a couple of players get that. I don't know. But it just shows you this, the disparity. And, it, again, a permanent divisive wedge between the levels of football, but they're the same level. And what I'm talking about is the deal that, like at Texas, for instance, it was, wasn't it the, the top eight, the longest tenured, the oldest, whatever, eight offensive linemen at the University of Texas, all eight had a guaranteed $50,000 name image likeness deal every year they enrolled. Arkansas, their offensive line, everyone I'm on scholarship, had the barbecue restaurant thing. And so thousands and thousands of dollars. It's actually a pretty good marketing thing for Arkansas and the Hogs, but um, thousands and thousands of dollars. Tulsa? No. Doesn't happen that way. Not at Tulsa. But the kids don't know that. And so, I, folks, I was 18, 19, 20. I wasn't in that position. But different details. Same level of, and I'm not going to be overly critical. That's ignorance is all. And do you know what ignorance is? Ignorance is not necessarily pejorative. Ignorance is I've never been taught. I'm ignorant of, I don't know, Italian. I've never been taught. Uh, If you're 18 or 19, you've probably never been taught a lot about adult world finances. And so what you're learning is through text message and, I don't know, reading 247 headlines. So that's that's Kevin Wilson as he's building a program at Tulsa, he believes. We got a headline, and I haven't heard this from Beast. Now, it may change because this is from about an hour ago when I'm reading it. 
but this may change, but I have not seen this from BC. I have not seen this from Bill O'Brien. David, has anything changed? Is this official? Boston College apparently is going to hire Bill O'Brien, and they're in the final stage. It's just, just crossing and dotting and agreeing on stuff. So BC is working towards a deal that will be official, everyone believes. Um, there are some formalities and just some conversations you have to have, but both sides are having the conversation and fully on board with it. So uh, I would say we're 95%. Bill, Bill O'Brien is going to be head coach at BC now. What is the picture there? What does all this mean? For Bill O'Brien, I wonder what's in it for him. It could be that different from Jeff Halfley, Bill O'Brien, I'm a head coach. I'm not going backwards. It could be that sort of ego thing. I don't know that. It could be because he's already been head coach a few places. Remember, he coach way back in the day he was one of belichick's guys and then penn state and he did a good job and what they needed in the moment there stopped the bleeding and then he moved on in nfl and bam and all of this so we all know bill o'brien and he got hired like a month ago to be ohio state's offensive coordinator outside of being a head coach i think oc at ohio state is about the best job in college football and with ryan day and i believe him by the way ryan day saying here are the keys. Whoever I hire as the play, as the OC, I'm not calling plays this year, and I believe him. You still have Ryan Day in the room. You still have Ryan Day on the practice field. You still have everything that's Ryan Day, except you get to call the plays. And, uh, folks, there are, I say casual fans. Fans of programs, not Ohio State, not even a Big Ten program. Like an Arizona fan knows about Ohio State and what they're about. Are they about Bosa? Sure. Are they about the other Bosa? They can be. Are they about the corners? Sometimes. What are they really about? Quarterbacks and wide receivers. And that is fun, fun, fun to call plays for. And Bill O'Brien had that job. Now, this is what I'm thinking. So I don't know what Bill O'Brien wants from the BC job. He took a job that Jeff Halfley, who I don't know if Jeff Halfley will be a head coach again. A guy who may not be a head coach again said, I'm out. I don't want this job. Bill O'Brien, who has way more of a resume, could get a different job than BC, I believe, if he really wanted it, had the best non-head coaching job in D1, for my money, has made way more cash. So it's not even about, well, I need the, the head coach money because I don't know what he's making, $2 million or $1.75, whatever Ryan Day is getting him as a pile. I'm going to say $1.5 to 2 He's getting more to be the $2 million. He was being the uh, He's getting paid more to be the head coach at BC. So I, it, like it's not about money for him, though. It shouldn't be. Not, not relative to Jeff Halfley. And so I don't know what Bill O'Brien wants from the BC job. I know that if this is true and he accepts this, Ryan Day's hiring an OC and he should have of anybody who's available, he can get him wide open. And even some people who aren't available. That's what that OC job in Columbus is. And we were talking maybe a couple of days ago. It's a real thing. Chip Kelly, like what kind of cherry position is this? Chip Kelly's the head coach at UCLA. I, 
leading up to there are so many things you say nah that can't be the case it can't be the case but i saw that ucla head coach recruiting openly for other jobs leading up to signing day like he was out pitching himself and didn't happen and so he's still at ucla leading time was like i don't know three years ago approaching the first wednesday of february it was the most critical pr time of your entire recruiting year and for chip kelly he was like hey i would like to be in the nfl well that didn't happen and word around the campfire is just that but there is a chance at least that chip kelly could be the oc at ohio state and that gives him now he's a guy see he could throttle down and that's taken a great job um versus bill o'brien which leads me i'm sitting here wondering what it is bill o'brien wants out of this job other than being head coach this morning in north carolina wheels are spinning determination is winning a passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, Alana, Hudson Mason here. Is a new roof still on your to-do list, but you've been delayed due to rising home service costs? Well, here's a fantastic solution from Accent Roofing Service. Zero down, zero payments, and zero interest for a full year. That's right. You can get your new roof now and start paying next year. Act quickly because Accent's incredible offer of zero, zero, zero with a 12-month deferred payment option for a lifetime roof system isn't going to last long. Contact the craftsman at Accent Roofing Service today, accentroofingservice.com. 